0: Thanks for tuning into the Central Church podcast. We exist to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow him. To learn more about Central, access tons of content, and find the location nearest you, download our Central Church app. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message, and we're so glad you could join us today. Well, welcome everybody. We want to welcome each of our central family locations. So glad you guys are with us today. Big shout out to Central Henderson and Central Summerlin, Sunrise Mountain, Southern Highlands, our Central Kingman family. We love you guys. Good to have you with us and uh, those watching online, thanks for being here. And hey, if you're uh, in our partnership with God Behind Bars watching from different prison facilities around the country, thank you guys for being with us today. Well, we've been talking about all the feels, how to deal with the feels before the feels deal with you, and we've been looking at the power of emotion in our lives. And um, it's been a great teaching series so far, but when I think about like feelings and emotion, one of the primary ways feelings and emotions get shared today, at least through texting or social media, is through emojis, right? We all send emojis, we receive emojis. And so I did a little research on like, what are the most popular emojis that people use? And uh, so I learned some interesting things. First of all, this is the most popular emoji of all. And uh, this is called um, like smiling face with tears of joy. So you know we you send this when you're when you 're laughing it's good vibes, when you know you feel good about something or something 's funny, or I always send it when i 'm like laughing till i 'm crying that's uh, that's this face with tears of joy and then the third most popular emoji is this one right here. This is heart eyes with smile so um you know, if you're in a relationship with somebody and they send you this, that's a, that's a good day. That's a good sign. You're not in trouble. Guys, you're not in the doghouse. It's, it's looking pretty good. You got, you got the hard eyes, right? We'll take it. Um, but then I started thinking like, well, what's the second? What's the second most popular emoji? And there were some different contenders out there, at least for me. I, I thought it might be this one. This is the I don't know what they call this gritted teeth emoji. This would be the warriors emoji. Any warriors out there down with this. I send this a lot. I'm always like, yeah, yeah, you know we'll be there I'm sure here's another one of my personal favorites. This is the barf emoji, and uh, I, I like to use this emoji when. People send me too much information about something. My wife sent me this article this last week, and um, it was an article on why you should always close the toilet seat before you flush, because when you flush, all the particles then can plume up into the air. And I I basically was like, yeah, barf emoji. Um, That was more information than I wanted to. You know, I've been able to live my entire life and not worry about that, and now I can't stop thinking about it. So you're welcome. Just passing the blessing on to you. So this was actually the number two most popular emoji, and this is actually called a loud, a loudly crying face. Um, and you know, when you think about it, like. It's interesting to me that the most popular emoji uh, gets to joy and kind of happiness in our life. Uh, the, the, The second most popular emoji then gets to sadness and the swing of emotion there. And the third most popular emoji, love, is actually the reason for both sadness and for joy too often, right, in our lives. So there you go, all three emojis, all of life in three simple emojis. I wanna talk today about this emoji, number two, about sadness and the emotion of sadness. Now, we've looked at worry, we've looked at anger, we've talked about how to try to manage some of these emotions, and we've said, look, look, all emotions are good emotions, right? There's no bad emotions, but any emotion can go bad. It's how we manage it and handle it in our lives, particularly when it comes to sadness. I think a lot of us just feel like sad is bad, Right? You don't want anything to do with sadness. We just want to kind of move on. We want to stay over here on the happy thoughts. We want to stay over there on love. We don't want to deal with sadness. And there's a lot of layers to sadness. You know, On the one hand, sadness can be associated with negativity or with moodiness. Um, and you know, It can also be associated with depression, which I think is going a little further. But in general, just if you're flying high, sadness is a tool that we use to process grief. I mean, it's how we process through loss and disappointment. Anybody been disappointed, right? Anybody faced some grief in their lives? I mean. All of us, we've all gone through it. Maybe you tried to get, and it doesn't have to be extreme. Maybe you tried to get on the team and you didn't make the team, and that loss just kind of follows you around and you go through a period of sadness. Maybe uh, you know you—you had a relationship or a marriage, ultimately break down, and you go through a period of sadness and loss. Maybe you lose somebody that you love and you walk through the pain of that as time goes on. Maybe life just isn't turning out like you expected, and that sadness is sort of tangible and real. Sometimes you can't even put a finger on why you're sad you're just sad and you go through seasons of sadness sometimes we face health diagnoses and situations where you know we don't understand but ultimately there's a sense of loss there and grief is a powerful tool for us in fact I would say if you don't work through your grief you can get lost in your grief if you don't work through your grief you can get lost in your grief it's okay to be sad it's okay to have a real grief over loss. And the important thing is that we process that in our own way and we walk through it rather than just trying to bury it and deny it. And so I wanna talk a little bit about how we can process sadness as an emotion today. And to do it, I want to look at one of my favorite Old Testament stories, which is the story of Elijah at Mount Carmel. Now, let me just set the stage. Elijah is a prophet of God. He has this moment where um, most of the Israelite community has, or many of them have started to worship the God Baal and a false God in the ancient world. And so he's frustrated by this. And finally, he has this kind of showdown moment. And he gets the king, King Ahab, and he says, hey, get all of Israel together, make all of Israel come to Mount Carmel and get all of uh, the priests of Baal to come, 450 priests of Baal, okay? And Elijah shows up, so you got the priests of Baal on one side, you have an altar that they build with wood and a bull on top of it. Um, And then on the other side, you have Elijah. And here's the deal, here's the showdown. Elijah says to the Israelites, he says, stop waffling back and forth. If Baal is God, then worship Baal. If the God of Israel is God, then worship the God of Israel. But stop sort of one foot in both waters and all of this. He's like, make up your mind. So he says, here's what we're gonna do. If Baal is God, then you pray to Baal and let Baal bring fire from heaven to consume this altar and you know, we'll all worship Baal. If the God of Israel is God, then same thing for him. But Elijah says, you guys go first. You, 450 of you, he says, I'm the last prophet left of the God of Israel. He says, you go first. So all 450 of them start to pray and they dance around and eventually as the day goes on, hours start going by, there's no fire from heaven, there's nothing happening. They start cutting themselves and bleeding and doing all these things to try and get their God to answer them. And then Elijah, in one of the great scenes of the Bible, starts to taunt the priests of Baal. He says, what is your God in the restroom? Is he taking a nap? Maybe he needs, maybe somebody needs to go wake him up. you know. And so he starts taunting these priests of Baal and finally they're finished by afternoon and evening comes around and they're, they're all exhausted and nothing's happened and so Elisha then says, um, build a trench around the altar. So they build a trench and he says, I want you to pour four buckets of water on the wood and the altar and everything. And so they do and he says, I want you to do it again and again. He basically drenches it with water And then he prays to the God of Israel. And here's what happens. 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 38. We get to the red word down there. That's how we make sure everybody's awake. Read that out loud here with me. It says, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is who? God. He is God. Yes, the Lord is God. So this is an amazing moment for Elijah. This is like the moment of vindication. Here he is, all the prophets of Baal, all 450 of them. Elijah's just alone over here, but God responds and moves. You talk about all the fields. this is like face crying with tears of joy right now if you're Elijah, right? Like, like God showed up, good things are happening. And then it becomes like an amazing day for him because then he prays that a three-year drought will end and it starts to to rain. Hello. Then it says that he runs ahead of Ahab's chariot as he's heading back to the city, the king who had been out at Mount Carmel and seen all this. He runs ahead of him. It's almost like a scene from Captain America or something. It's like supernaturally, he's able to like run ahead of this chariot. He gets back to the city. He's had one of the greatest days of his life. But here's the thing about great days. I hope you have a lot of them. You know what happens right after Elijah has... What is arguably the greatest day of his life? He has one of the worst seasons of his life. He goes from an incredible high to an incredible low. And we're gonna get to that in just a minute, but first, when it comes to managing sadness, I just wanna pause here and consider this idea, to enjoy the highs in life. To enjoy the highs in life. Because when we're wrestling in seasons of sadness, it's really easy to feel like our best days are behind us, like we'll never have good days again. Um, and it's important to step back sometimes and remember the good days that we have had and to enjoy those days. If you're in those days right now, be thankful, be grateful. God has given you a huge gift. I remember when my kid was little, uh, four years old, I took Ethan to Disneyland. And one of my favorite roller coasters is Space Mountain. And Space Mountain, you go like really fast, in the dark, up and down, you never know what's coming next, right? And I was so sick of it's a small world, and you know, like Mr. Toad's Not So Wild Ride and Dumbo, you know, that finally I'm like, all right, he's big enough, you know, and so I said, let's go, let's go ride a roller coaster, so we sort of stuffed his shoes, spiked his hair, got him through the height requirement, got him on the ride at Space Mountain, and I remember, like, he was sitting beside me, and the bar comes down, and it's so far from his little body, I'm like, that's useless, you know, and, and, um, we take off, and I remember this particular day they were playing the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They have different soundtracks going, but this was like Red Hot Chili Peppers and strobe lights are flashing, and, and, the, and, and when you're on Space Mountain, you're flying and through the dark. You can't really see what's coming next. And, and I remember like we're, we're going, but all of a sudden I would catch an image of Ethan through this strobe light, and the strobe showed me that he was, the the ride was so intense and he was so small, he couldn't hold his head up. So when we would turn, he'd be like, ah, you know, his head's just like, you know, it really looked bad. It looked dangerous. You know, I remember like grabbing his head. I'm like, oh dude, let me just kind of hold you in the seat and hold your head up. We'd go the other way. Ah, you know, I'm holding them. I'm like, it's going to be okay. I got you. All these, you know, all of a sudden we're going left. We're going right. You never know what's going to happen. You're going to, then we drop, then we go up. We finally come to a stop at the end of the roller coaster. I said, Ethan, what'd you think? I'll never forget. He said, that was scary, dad. That was very scary. <laughs> and I took him years later as a teenager back to Disneyland. I remember I said, hey, let's go ride Space Mountain. You remember that ride? And he literally looked at me and he goes, I will never ride that ride again. The rest of my life. And he hasn't, I've totally traumatized him but that's what life is like, isn't it? It's like you're flying through the dark at 50 miles an hour to the red hot chili peppers and strobe lights flashing. You don't know when the left's coming, when a right's coming, when things are going to go up, when the bottom's going to drop out. I mean, that's life. Life is filled with highs and lows. And so if you're in a, a season where things are good right now, enjoy it celebrate it. If you're in a season where things are really hard and difficult, keep believing that there are better days ahead. But we rarely just stay static. We tend to go up and down. And if you want a great example for that, look to the Psalms, the the song and prayer book of the nation of Israel. You read through the Psalms. And one psalm is like, God, you're amazing. My life's amazing. You bless me everywhere I go. My enemies, uh, you know, they've all been defeated. You've given me peace. It's incredible. And then the very next psalm, not like the next year. I'm talking about the next psalm. God, you've abandoned me. Where are you? I used to feel your presence. I don't feel your presence anymore. And what I love about the psalms is the Psalms normalize our human experience. Because sometimes we go through down seasons and we just think, maybe I'm not spiritual enough. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I just will never have the relationship with God that other people seem to have. You read through the Psalms and realize, no, ups and downs are part of the spiritual experience. What do you do when things are good? You give thanks. Look at this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning of verse 16, says this. Always be joyful. That's for highs and for lows. Always be joyful. It says never stop praying and be what? Thankful. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I know some of you came to church today and you were saying on the way to church, God, what is your will for me in my life? God, do I make this move? Do I start this business? Do I date this girl? Do I cheer for this team? God, what is your will for me in my life? And I'm not sure what God's specific will for you is, but I can tell you what his general will for you is. We just read it together. God's will for you today, God's will for me today is to be thankful in all circumstances. Doesn't mean I'm thankful for all circumstances, right? There's some circumstances in my life I could do without. But in it, I will choose to be thankful. And what happens when we're thankful is we get the most out of any moment, even bad, difficult moments. So I wanna encourage you this week, no matter what you're going through, to be thankful. When you open your eyes in the morning, just say, God, thank you that I get to be alive for another day. When you get up, say, God, thank you that I get to wake up and be free to go about my day. When you eat your breakfast, God, I thank you that I get to eat food or to have breakfast. When you get in your car, if you have a car, God, I thank you that I have a car. If you don't have a car, God, I thank you for my friend who gives me a ride. God, I thank you for Uber. God, I thank you for the bus, right? Whatever it is, you get to work. God, I thank you that I have a job. I'm grateful that I can do this. And that horrible customer comes up to you at work. God, I thank you that I'm not this person, that I'm somebody other than this person, right? <laughs> you can always find something to be thankful for. Sometimes you gotta work at it, right? always find something to be thankful for. It'll change your experience. It's not happiness that makes us grateful. It's gratitude that tends to make us happy. So lead with that thankfulness. Enjoy the highs. I hope you're blessed right now. I hope you're enjoying our spiritual high right now. I hope God is moving and working in your life in profound ways right now. If he is, enjoy it. But also know that what comes with, what goes up (laughs) must come down. And sometimes we face lows, and here's the thing about lows. I love it when God blesses us. I love it when he blesses the people in our church family. I love it when they're on the highest, but here's what I've learned in my own life. You'll learn 10 times more in the low season than you will in the high season. (laughs) That doesn't mean I wanna visit, right? But I'm just acknowledging that when we go through it, there are things we can learn that you'll never learn on the mountaintop when you're down in the valley. So manage the lows, manage the lows. I saw this uh, little card that this kid turned in. It was a school project and they had to write what their life would be like once they hit 100 years old, which I'm thinking that's pretty optimistic. But once they hit 100, here's what their life would be like. And this one kid says this, when I turn 100 years old, I will be tired of everything and everyone. (laughs) So I will tell everyone I'm going to Canada, but actually go to the Bahamas. (laughs) I'll live in a tiny hut with my tiny dog. I will order fish tacos when I'm hungry and live my best life. (laughs) Sounds like a plan, right? Oh, sounds like a plan. Problem is, that's what you do when you're 100. What do you do between now and 100, right? A A lot's gonna go on, some highs and some lows for all of us. So how do we manage those low seasons? Well, here's what you see in Elijah's life. He has this incredible victory, the greatest potential high of his whole career as a prophet. The whole nation sees it. The king's there, Ahab's there, God moves and speaks. Then he goes back to the city. He actually beats Ahab into the city. Ahab goes in and tells his his wife about what's happened. Now his wife actually hired the priests of Baal. Those 450 people were her idea. And so the king's wife sends a note to Elijah and says, by this time tomorrow, you'll be dead. And so now Elijah, he's just seeing God move supernaturally in his life, but he gets discouraged. He gets frustrated. He thought everything was gonna be different. He thought this was gonna change the whole dynamic, and it didn't. You ever had a moment like that in your life? You thought everything was gonna be different, and now here we are again. So he flees for his life. Here's what we see. 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning in verse Three, it says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there, and then he went on alone into the wilderness. Notice that, he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had what? Enough, Lord. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors, have already died any of you ever felt like you had enough come on just had enough had enough of the stress had enough of the sickness had enough of the pressure had enough of the husband had enough of those kids had enough of the drama, had enough of the, just, just had enough, had enough of the work, had enough of being broke, had enough, of, you know, like had enough of had enough. And I'm at the end of myself and Elijah sits down and here's the great prophet of God who just had one of the most amazing experiences, more spiritually amazing than anything you or I will probably ever experience in our life. And he says, God, just take me out. I'm finished, it's over. After the great high (laughs) comes the great drop. There's a few things that you see that lead to this moment. When we're reading the text, notice he left his servant along the way and he went on alone. Did you catch that? When you've gone through loss or disappointment, sometimes you just want to pull back. You want to go at it alone. You want to handle things on your own. You want to kind of cocoon in your life and grieve, but we need each other. We are better together. I think back to two years ago, October one, the largest mass shooting in our country's history happening uh, right here in a way that affected many of our central family. And a lot of people were asking the question, and I was being asked a lot like, how do we go through this? How do we get through this? How do we move forward? And the answer was always the same. We do it together. We do it together. When you're facing grief, when you're facing loss, don't face it alone. See Elijah, he left everybody behind and went on alone. Not only that, he didn't take care of himself. He wasn't sleeping, he wasn't eating well, right? He, was, he didn't have food, water, he didn't have anything. And he's in the wilderness. He's just roaming around now, kind of lost in his moment of grief. And he sits down under that broom tree and he basically says, God, I've had enough in my life. I, I know it's simple and I know it's basic, but when you're going through loss in your life or disappointment, it's okay to acknowledge it. It's okay to just be honest about it and make sure while you're going through it that you don't go through it alone and that you take care of yourself while you go through it. And I'm talking about things like eating, sleeping, go, getting a little exercise, or at least getting outside, walking around. Even if you're managing more serious mental health or clinical depression kinds of issues, Those basic things can still have a positive impact in our lives if we'll do them. Elijah failed to do all of those things. It's part of what led him to a place where he came to the end of himself. And you know what happens in the story? He's sitting there, he wants God to end his life, he's done with living, and it says he falls asleep. He's exhausted. And then an angel of the Lord comes and wakes him up, because he's got no food, no water, he's in the wilderness, and there's hot bread and there's drink. And so he eats and you know what he does after he eats, he goes back to sleep. <laughs> this happens again and again. And then this is what we read. The angel comes to him first Kings chapter 19, beginning in verse seven, he says, get up and eat some more or the what journey ahead will be too much for you. See, there's a journey to come. Elijah, God has a purpose for you in your life. I know you're tired, I know you're discouraged, I know you're frustrated, but God isn't finished. And I want to tell you today, listen, you're not dead yet, so you're not done yet. God has a plan and a purpose for you in your life. That's why you gotta take care of yourself. That's why you gotta manage the lows, because you are not finished. And I know sometimes, if you're depressed, if you struggled on and off with depression your whole life, you could just feel like there's no hope and there's no way to move forward. I mean, this hit home to me in a powerful way recently. A friend of mine, Pastor Jared Wilson, a guy that I've known for years, um, a real advocate for mental health and for the church being open and honest about depression. Uh, somebody who emailed me on Friday and then just a couple days later took his own life. One of his last tweets, he said this, loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure depression. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure PTSD. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure anxiety. But that doesn't mean Jesus doesn't offer us companionship and comfort. He always does that. Jared was my friend. And I don't know or understand somebody who had been such an advocate for mental health and for other people living and talking about what they're going through could get to a place where he would take his own life. But what I do know is the church has to be a safe place where we can have that conversation where if you're having suicidal thoughts, if you're thinking about ending your life, if you're ready to give up, you need to be able to speak that out loud and know you're in a community that won't judge you, that will love you, that will accept you. I think the worst thing that you can do is what Elijah did in that moment where you're discouraged, and that's just go on alone. You gotta bring somebody into the conversation. Why? Because no matter what lies Satan may have planted in your head and no matter how significant real depression may be in your life, I believe God still has a purpose for you in your life. I believe he does and a plan for you in your life. Now, let me just say, if you're wrestling with um, significant mental health issues or with clinical depression I'm of the belief that you should, yes, pray, read your Bible, get involved in church, have faith, but also see a counselor, get real professional help, take your medication. You know, some people think it's spiritual to not take your medication. You're just being wise. You're just using the resources through the people that God has put in your life to take that medication. And so, look, if you're clinically depressed, that doesn't mean you don't love God. That doesn't mean God doesn't have a purpose for you. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It just means we live in a broken, fallen world. And you've been through some things. And you may not even be able to put your finger on it. But you're just trying to climb through the best you can. I want you to know we love you. We're here for you. We walk the road together. We're better together. We're better together. And that's the third idea, just to reconnect to your purpose, to reconnect to your purpose. Elijah's in this moment where he's discouraged. He's worn out. God reminds him, hey, you have a journey ahead of you. And so he goes on and eventually he goes to this cave. He gets to this cave, he's exhausted, he's stressed out. You know, he's got all these thoughts going through his mind. He's been through all this stuff and he goes in the cave, shattered by loss, but he comes out of the cave older, wiser, and more trusting of God and ready for whatever he has next. God reconnected Elijah to his purpose. His purpose didn't end on Mount Carmel. His purpose was still to come. Friends, you have a purpose. Even if it's as simple as loving God and loving others, you have a purpose. It's a story I saw on social media. It's been making the rounds. It's about uh, an employee of a bookstore. She wrote it to describe the greatest customer she'd ever had. And she said it was this older woman who came in to buy some art supplies, and she was, quote, lovably kooky, She exuded happiness, she complimented this employee on her bangs, she talked about how she needed to buy some chocolate for her husband, and then out of nowhere, this guy, student, walks up behind her, she turns around and she's got her items there to buy, and and he's got all these books, and she says, oh, let me see those books. She puts all the books up on the counter, $400 worth of books. She says, I'm buying all your books. And then she says, do you like chocolate? Course, you can imagine, right? The student's like, what? She goes, you know, he's, he's confused. She goes, okay, she buys him chocolate. She says, You like Harry Potter? She grabs a Harry Potter book, puts it on top. She's bought his school books, chocolate, and Harry Potter. And then she says this, it's important to be kind. You can't know all the times you've hurt people in tiny, significant ways. It's easy to be cruel without meaning to be. There's nothing you can do about that. But you can choose to be kind. So she buys all this stuff for the student and she stares after him as he leaves and then she turns to the employee and this is what she says. My son is a homeless meth addict. I don't know what I did. I see that boy and I see the man my son could have been if someone had chosen to be kind to him at just the right time. And then she paid for her things complimented the clerk on her bangs again and left. And that clerk wrote, that is the story of the best customer I ever had. You know, you never know when you lock eyes with someone, what kind of pain they faced. You know, if all of our stories came out, we'd be shocked. Even the person you may be sitting beside what they've been through, what they've endured. We all face sadness. We all face loss. But the key is to face it and to do it together and to process those emotions and to realize we're not alone. Not only do we have each other, but Jesus says he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. So you gotta work through the grief so you don't get lost in the grief. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never crossed the line of faith. Well, I want you to know God loves you He's for you. He came in the person of Jesus Christ, lived and died and rose again for you so that you could be forgiven and free. And I'd just be honored to lead you in a simple prayer, opening your heart to him and responding to him. So if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus today, wherever you're at, I wanna encourage you to just bow your head and close your eyes and just repeat this simple prayer after me. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just to acknowledge before God, you're gonna trust him and you're gonna follow him today. Just slip your hand in the air and reach out to him. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for each person reaching out to you today and I pray you'll fill their life with your mercy and your goodness. Thank you for the gift that sadness can be when we process through those emotions and move towards healing and God, I pray you'll help all of us do that as we follow you in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.